Welcome back to Barely Serious here with the very funny, oh, this is episode 87, here with the very funny Mike Eaton, episode two, all the way back from episode 36. What the hell is up, my man? What's going on? Just another day in uh, beautiful Austin, Texas. Is it beautiful, though? You miss us, huh, out here, huh? I'm, I miss old LA. I miss when shit was open. I don't miss the Mad Max dystopia that it has become. I don't it's like eating in parking lots. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, I mean, I guess OC is not that bad, but like LA is fucking deadly. And like, even like out east towards where I was living is, is a nightmare. Yeah, well, the shows are garbage, dude. It's like the parking lot shit, the backyard shit. I did one, there was one backyard show that was actually pretty sick. But the rest of them have just been uh, like, like just straight ass. Dude, comedy is meant to be done indoors. And like when you do it outdoors, you just like lose so much of the atmosphere. Like the laughs don't get contained by the roof. And so they just leak out into the world and you lose them. Would you? Yeah, I wish there was like a Thanos. Like, would you vote for this? Like if someone could just snap their fingers and all the people that are going to die during the pandemic just disappear and we could just go back to our lives. And if I'm like, if I turn to dust, then fuck it. I'd rather just die right now anyway. No, 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 I'm, I'm too rather, egotistical. You'd rather, I, I, I don't want, I, no, I'm just like, I, I don't want to risk me turning to dust. I'm fat. I'm no, like I'm one saying, of those like pre-existing condition no, groups. I'm saying, I would probably die from this shit eventually. <laughs> I'm saying that like the person that snaps their fingers, all the people that will in the future die from coronavirus, just die right now. So we can go back to our lives, not random people. So I'm saying that like, if I'm going to die in a month, I'd rather just turn to dust right now. Why would I go to work for, you know, 20 more days just to fucking die in 20 days you know like ah uh, man see i'm like pretty happy about life so i don't want to like i like i said i'm fat and like my lungs are shit so like if someone snaps if i was gonna die in like a year and a half from this shit like i want <laughs> the next year and a half like you know like I, i'm trying to do my best i take vitamin d i do a push-up once or twice but like <laughs> i don't, don't want to die <laughs> what if it was like a month cutoff all the people that die in the next month and then we could get like two months of regular life so we could go see green day or some shit I'm in. I'm in. Green Day? You're doing that for Green Day? You better watch yourself, boy. God, how often have you worn eyeliner? Be honest with me. One time, but it wasn't eyeliner. <laughs> it, it was it was eighth. No, it was sixth grade, and I had like this Alice Cooper face, <laughs> and it was just it was Sharpie. I went like this, and it was it was back to school night, and my mom was like you're not going to back to school night like that. And I was like, but I like it. And she like made me wash it off. Oh my God. So you, oh, wow. That's incredible. I was, I, I'll admit I've worn eyeliner once as well. So really? <laughs> I can't touch it. Yeah. What was it for? An AFI concert. <laughs> that's, that's, wait, no, that's Harvey Dent. No, that's Harvey. I was like, flagpole sitter. What's on Harvey Danger? That's Harvey Dangerfield. Harvey yeah. Danger. No, AFI is like Girls Not Gray and Miss Murder. Miss Murder. I know that one. There you go. Guitar okay. Hero. There you go. Perfect. There you go. Their lead singer, I was so surprised. I didn't know this, but before they were kind of like emo punkish stuff, they were just like a hardcore punk band. And the lead singer, Davey Havoc, is like a master showman. And I saw them at a 9 11 concert with. Rise against an anti-flag because I figured like that'll be fun, and he was like spinning the microphone around, and there was like a pit at AFI, and they didn't sing any songs I knew, and it was amazing. Really? Yeah, they're like really good. 
9-11 like benefit concert they were just like hey we could probably no no, no it was just on 9-11 it was a bunch of punk music and so it was <laughs> like they were just like fuck america we did it up to <laughs> ourselves or whatever do you think it was an inside job i i think that we don't know the full information i feel like planes definitely flew into buildings <laughs> and i feel like wtc7 like for sure was weird and happened at the same time and I would like to know more about why it hit that specific part of the Pentagon. But also, like, I think it, it's more likely that, like, we at some level were at the higher ups were complicit in what happened, but not so much orchestrating specifically what happened and had the opportunity to get rid of some of their mistakes. Like, I think a lot of financial records disappearing is not a coincidence. Yeah, fuck no. Plus, with everything that's going on, like, this year and shit, like, it, it made me think, like, yo, like, some of the shit from the past... Like we should probably rethink that shit or at least look back into it, dog. Yeah, that's what all those people studying history have been trying to say. They're like, hey, this shit's happening again. <laughs> like, and we're like, yo, dog, you might be right. <laughs> you see the thing there was like it was like 1918, like France holds like the World Cup. 1919, the Tokyo Olympics were canceled, and then like 1920, or like, or it was like it was 38, 39, and 40, or some shit like that. I'm fucking up the years. And then the year after, Japan bombed Pearl Harbor, and then they went to this year, and they were like 2018, France wins the World Cup, and then like 2020, the Tokyo Olympics are canceled, and then it was like a cat, like it was like zoomed on his face, like oh shit, like what's what's about to get bombed, bro? Well, I don't know. I think that that's the one like positive aspect of like the social distancing is that terrorism isn't as effective because people aren't all grouped up you know you got to find silver linings there's no school shootings and terrorism doesn't work as good here's the thing uh like what do you think about the whole the the capital getting stormed because like my thing is like i think that shit was like weird and like there was some it was like it was like what the fuck like all the shit and all the people are like getting like super into it i don't really care but my thing is when they were like this call it what it is like terrorism. I was like, I don't, I mean, who's afraid? Like, I'm not really like afraid. Like I'm all the way over here. You know, I'm not like terrorized, you know, like it's domestic terrorism. I was like, I'm not well, yeah, <laughs> you weren't there. Like, <laughs> I was, I'm not for sure. But if you were there, if it was outside your house, you'd probably feel differently. Like no, if there were see, a bunch of people for nine 11, People were scared of shit. People still don't get on planes. That's terror. You were scared. What? You were three. You weren't scared of nine eleven. Douchebag. Five. I was five. I was about to turn six. I remember it. I uh, I don't want to feel this old. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to do that. What I just remember. All I remember is just not going to school. That's all I remember. I don't remember watching it or anything. I just remember just not going to school. And then like people were just like nine eleven. I was like, all right, for sure, I got you. There was, uh, I remember my school, I was in fifth grade when it happened and there was a girl that was late to school. And so she had already seen the news. So oh, when she came into class, they were like, hey, she already knows the stuff, so don't bother her. But then a rumor started that her dad had died in 9-11 because we weren't allowed to talk about it. So everybody was like, oh, her dad died in 9-11. And they like sent out, I remember like our parents picked us up from school early that day and the teachers handed us all a letter that said like, hey, we're not going to war and we're not canceling school. And I just remember thinking like, fuck, come on, they should cancel school. And having no idea what had happened. It's not. I also remember that night we were like sitting at my grandma's house watching TV and like watching the news of what happened. And I remember just waiting for everybody to go to bed so I could switch to the channel with the Girls Gone Wild commercials so I could jerk off. Like that was my priority. 
Did you ever jerk off to like uh, like the Macy's catalog? No, I think I jerked off to a tampon box one time because they had a thousand <laughs> of them tried out there. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> Hey, a Macy's catalog is just like kind of covering stuff in shitty underwear. A Tampax box has like a diagram of a vagina. Like if you've seen one before, you can just impose it on there. And I, I mean, I had to have been like nine or 10. So it wasn't like I was like a pro at it yet. You were jerking off at nine years old? Yeah, I found porn pretty early. I'm a terrible person. So what type of shit <laughs> you jack off to? Oh, just porn. Like I just, I just. At I nine years have, old. Like, well, so, in the 90s? They didn't have computers. Yeah, I would have been uh, nine in 2000. I was born in 91. But I, uh, I got a computer as a gift from a guy. So I had a computer from when I was like eight. From a guy? So, what kind of guy? This dude jacks off at nine, gets a gift from some guy. I think you were touched. Hopefully he doesn't see this, but I'm pretty sure it's a guy that just wanted to bang my mom. Uh, well, and like was fair. like being nice to her son. So I was like, hey, I'll get your son gifts. You give me gifts. Yeah. Like kind of thing but that's fair uh yeah she's a hard-working single mom i'll take gifts if she's got to take one for the team you know <laughs> but no i think like back then mostly what it was was like uh cinemax do you are you old enough to know what cinemax is um yeah, like the old not, like not i'm thinking cinemark not cinemax what's cinemax well, cinemax is like a, a channel it's like a cable channel and they would play like these softcore porn so there was no penetration and like all this stuff was hidden, like all the bottom halves were hidden, but you got to see all the top half shit, but they were all like parodies of movies, like Lord of the G-Strings and like <laughs> Spider Babe and like uh, Playmate of the Apes. Like that kind of shit. <laughs> so I, that's mostly what I like jerked off to probably for the first four or five years of doing it. Would you ever act in one of those? Uh, not anymore, because I'm married, but you know, if, if I was single, like I... I, I really didn't give a shit, you know, like okay. whatever. It's... Let's talk about that. All right. How the, yeah. why the shit are you married? Like how'd that come about? Didn't you just meet the chick? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the chick is my wife. She's amazing. Like, uh, I, I don't know. Man. Like, I'm, not, I wasn't, shitting, like, I'm really, not shitting on it. I'm just no, saying. No, no, I know. No, I, I wasn't like, even like looking for love or anything like that. I know it's a comedy podcast. That's so like corny, but <laughs> I had really just gotten at the beginning of the quarantine. I thought I had coronavirus and I didn't, I just have anxiety. So, and I'm fat and I smoke a lot of pot. So I cough all the time and like, I don't breathe good. So like essentially all the symptoms. So I was freaked out. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try and lose weight. Cause I ballooned up at the beginning of this year. I was like almost 300 pounds. No, and you so, weren't. yeah, dude. I, I mean, if you remember like shows with me in January, February, like I was chonky. You were wearing like sweaters like, though. Yeah. 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 So you, I know how to dress for it. I've been fat before, <laughs> but like, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I like started working on myself and like going to therapy and shit. And I was just in like a really good place in life. And I went out to be a groomsman at my buddy's wedding and just spent like, like five days out in Colorado, Colorado. And like three of them were with her. She's just amazing. And we got along on like, just like an insane level. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of figure, you know, with life as crazy and hectic as it is, like 2020 was a, like a perfect year of proving like, we never know what the fuck's going to happen next. So we should definitely do whatever makes us happy. Like I was balls to the wall and gave up a great job to move to California to try and do comedy. Like it makes sense if I meet like a woman like that, like, of course I'm going to marry her right away. She's like, you know, why not? That's wild. I was like, yo, cause I remember texting cause I saw it and I was like, oh, this fool playing. 
So I texted, I was like, yo, are you married? You're like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that shit was, yeah. that's awesome, dude. So like what specific part of this, like this trek did you meet her at? Uh, so I was, uh, this was like August. And so like the first thing like I remember was like trying to hit on her by, I mean, she was there and she was super hot. So I was like, yeah, I want to talk to her. Uh, oh, the funniest part of this, there are only two single guys. It was a very small wedding because COVID. Right. And it was a destination wedding. So everybody was staying at this ranch. So I get in there a day early to help set up shit and like do stuff to help build the wedding. And my buddy that went there, me and him are the only single guys. And he's like, hey, there's only two single girls. Do you want to call dibs? And I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, no, man. I don't know if you've seen sitcoms, but that doesn't work. Like, that's not a good idea. <laughs> And he's like, no, we should definitely call dibs. And I'm like, come on, man. So the other girl, decent looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone there was gorgeous. It was a very beautiful wedding. But now I'm ca- now uh, it's happening. So no, no, no. So we, we're like hanging out. And I go to talk to her. My friend has like uh, two sons with very unique names. So I was telling her like, oh, this is, I don't want to say their names. I was like, this is so-and-so. Right. That's his brother, so-and-so. And then the older one is being all sweet with her. And I was like, you should go dance. It'll be fun. So I'm like setting her up with the like eight year old kid because it's nice, adorable. Nice. Good move. And uh, and then she said the first thing she saw was I was like taking care of the groomsmen and I I was like just yelled out to the group of people like Hey, I have sober groomsmen. That's a problem. Someone get me booze. And she was like that fucking idiot. Uh, and then during like the moment where like it made sense was like during the actual like wedding ceremony, my buddy is reading his vows. And he's like turned kind of towards the crowd. And you can see that his vows are color coded because he's just like a super organized anal retentive dude. And so he's got like color coded vows and I couldn't help it. I just started laughing my super loud, annoying laugh <laughs> and, and just went, they're fucking color coded? <laughs> loud as shit. And she had like almost said the exact same thing. And then afterwards we talked about it and just spent like, five hours on a bunch of mushrooms looking at stars just falling in love it was great the whole time was perfect man it was like a it was like a romantic movie it's annoyingly cute that sound it sounded like normal normal and then you're like then we pop mushrooms and talk for five hours like jesus christ these guys be together forever yeah for sure (laughs) yeah it the whole time was great dude we did a hike the second day of it and like also keep in mind like i go hard in the paint like when i'm partying and it's my right. one of my best friend's weddings so i'm like yeah we're gonna get fucked up we're in the middle of nowhere so we drank hard and we're partying till 3 4 a.m we did the mushrooms i think we had some ecstasy i don't remember all the drugs we were taking but there were just a bunch going in our face so it's like 3 or 4 a.m when we finally pass out and then we get up at like 8 a.m to go on like a six mile hike at like 70 to 100 feet of elevation in colorado and i had promised to do it and I wanted to hang out with Brittany. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll do it. Well, the on. only way I'm going to make it through the, yeah. Time out. Do you just say 70 to a hundred feet of it? That's an overpass. No, 7,200. Oh, okay. So you said seven, yeah. 70 to a hundred. I was like, bro, that's a freeway overpass. What are you talking about? No, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, time out, bro. Time out. <laughs> this guy, dude, you don't get points. So for we that. were going like over the 10. It was insane. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, so I realize like immediately when I wake up, like I'm still a little fucked from the night before. And the right. only way I'm going to make it through this hike is if I just like drink, but I didn't want to tell everyone else that. So I was like, Hey, I'm going to go inside real quick. And so I go to make like a, a bloody mic, which is like a bloody Mary. But the way I make it is you fill a, like a 64 ounce cup 
80% with vodka. And then you just put like a splash of tomato juice on the top and then you chug it. So I did that. And so like someone saw me pouring that and I didn't realize I was doing it right in front of a window. So everybody that's waiting to gather to leave is just staring at me, just glue, 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 <laughs> vodka. And one of the guys there was a bartender and he goes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I got so embarrassed. I was like, oh, you saw me. <laughs> and he's like, are you not gonna put ice in that? And I was like, oh, it gets in the way. So I chugged the first one. I hit two of those. So I finished most of, most of a fifth of vodka. And then we go out to go on this hike. So we get there. I sleep in the car on the way there. I wake up for the hike. We walk up the hike. And like four times going up the mountain, I just laid down in the middle of the path. and was like, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> and we got to the top. And there's a waterfall. And that was the whole purpose of the hike is we were hiking to the super beautiful waterfall. And everybody else is like not getting in the water. I'm like, guys, we hiked to a waterfall. What the fuck are you doing? They're like, it's like a 40 degree waterfall. Like it's very <laughs> cold. You don't want to do that. And I was like, you guys are bitches. So I run and I jump face first into the water. And the father of the bride has this incredible video of me realizing instantly this was a terrible mistake and trying to climb out. And I'm in like short shorts and hiking boots. And I'm trying to climb out of the fucking waterfall, just freezing, just like a whole idiot. And Brittany was watching all this and she was like, I'm going to marry that man. Really? Yeah. So she's crazy. Like I'm crazy. So yeah, it all makes sense. <laughs> That's crazy, man. So what was like, um, what was like, I don't want to be like gay or nothing, but like, what was like, <laughs> like your mentality before that? Were you like looking for that type of shit? Or are you like hookups only? Like what type, like what type of shit were you doing? No, man, like I really honestly wasn't doing anything. Like I, one of the things I realized when I like, tried to start getting my shit together in like May was that I had just been focusing on comedy. You know, I did like seven to 10 mics and shows a week. Like every night I was at comedy and every day I was at my job. Mm -hmm. And so like, I just didn't take any time off to do anything for me or to like build relationships. You know, I, I had all the dating apps and then it was like three or 4 a.m. and I was like drunk and horny. I would just swipe right on everything. Really? But like, I just like, I never like had time to go pursue anyone and I'm fat, dude. Like I like, like, especially like, I, I'm not like getting laid ever based off looks. So it, I just wouldn't put any effort into that. Uh, so like, yeah, that's, I just wasn't like really doing much with it. I was like a super whore in my, like for most of my life. Like I just slept around like a bunch and I had like one serious relationship before and so like after that one, I kind of decided like I probably wasn't going to do serious relationships again because I'd rather just focus on me. And like right. I, I got into that workaholic mode with comedy and my health was falling apart. And I, was, I wasn't maintaining any of my friendships outside of comedy. Like everyone I knew and talked to was either a comedian or a coworker. And like you can't be so two dimensional. Like you just burn out that way. And so I, you know, I took a step back. And so I was like, you know, I, I'm not going to look for anything. I just want to focus on what makes me a happy me. So, you know, I started exercising and doing some meditation, talking to a therapist, you know, eating not terrible every day. What type you of know, shit would you talk to with your therapist? Oh, dude, everything. Like, dude, I, I have like pretty bad anxiety. So most of the day, like I am just bombarded with like all of the worst case scenarios about whatever situation I'm in. Like, like, like give me an example of like, like, like how, so like, like it, <clears throat> I've got a roast battle later tonight. Okay. Uh, and, and so I, I know the guy that uh, I'm roasting, but I haven't talked to him in a long time. He's a guy from Austin. We've done a couple shows together. 
he doesn't post a lot on social media, so I don't have a shit ton to work with there. Right. And I'm not like a super adept ro roaster. So like in my head, I'm like, all right, I got to write these roast jokes. How do I say things about it? And one, I'm like, do I say something that's super mean? And then it's like, it's too mean. I'm going to hurt his feelings. Then everybody's going to hate me. And then it's like, well, if I'm not mean, then everyone's going to think I'm a pussy and everybody's going to hate me. So I'm just thinking all of the things that are possibly wrong with roast jokes that I haven't even written yet three days before this even thing even started. And now it's like the day of the roast and I've got like six or seven jokes to think about. And I just keep running over them. And every time, like when I thought of them, I genuinely thought like, oh, this is very funny. It's mean and funny and good and personal. Yeah, good roast joke. And then I read it out loud to myself and I'm like, that's the worst piece of dog shit anyone's ever written. No one's gonna laugh at that. You're gonna get on stage and everyone's gonna stream, go back to LA. You know, like I, I had a show uh, two or three weeks ago, maybe longer now, but I was in Georgetown and I was telling the story of my arrest for weed out here. And I said, blue lives don't matter. And a guy in the front row goes, you shut the fuck up. And like, act like he was gonna fight me. And then everybody started booing. And I got booed off stage, Galen. Like I'm not bad at comedy. And I got booed off stage and was like flustered and lost to a crowd of Trump supporting rednecks because I said, blue lives don't matter. And I earnestly believe that. I was like, I, I don't wanna, like, I don't think like anybody's job makes them more special than anybody else. And that's all that movement is. It's just co-opting like a, a shitty mentality to go against stuff and perpetuate racism. That's how I feel about that. That's not funny. And also not a thing that you can say that makes any sense to a bunch of people with three teeth and fewer IQ. It's just like, I, what, uh, so like I am, all of that's just going through my head constantly. And then I'm like, all right, I gotta be present. I'd be funny and do a roast battle. So like any situation with there's anything with any stakes, whether it's, you know, like I'm unemployed right now because I'm trying to find a job here and I don't want to get a shitty job and lose a bunch of time to something that doesn't pay anything and puts me right. in direct exposure to COVID. So like I'm being like a little more careful with that. But then it's like, should I just go get a fucking job making $8 an hour so I don't like keep being a drain on like finances? Like, what do I do? You know, so there's $8? anything that's, yeah, dude, that minimum wage in Texas is seven twenty five. Like what the fuck? Yeah, dude. I mean, granted, the cost of living is a little bit cheaper. Austin, not as much. But yeah, man, that's one of the things people take for granted in California, too, is just even shit jobs there pay well. Yeah, that's true. But everything's like way, way more expensive. But, you know, that's funny is I could I could picture you on stage getting booed off stage because of that show we did uh, at Westside together. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've upset some people, but, but that one wasn't like because there were still like handfuls of people laughing during that. Like, even though I accidentally ran was the light there, that, Absolutely, dude. I've listened no, to that tape so many times. No, I there, don't know about there that. There were at least two tables that were laughing at the pedophile jokes. That's exactly what it was. Is there was, I was like doing, 40 tables. <laughs> I'm not saying it wasn't bad, Galen. I'm just saying I didn't get booed off stage. I had one person heckling me and I accidentally ran the light because they put it in the worst possible location. That is, dude, it dead ass is the worst spot ever. But yeah. yeah. So I was watching your set. So for, for people who wouldn't know, uh, I think we we're doing like 12 minutes each or some bullshit. And so I was following you. So I was like, oh, fuck yeah, this dude's going to destroy, set me up. It's be great. And so then I'm like sitting in the, like the, the way it's set up is there's the, you know, it's like a, like a, like a staple. It's like boop, bam. Mm -hmm. And so I was sitting on the left part of the staple in the back and like you were just like it was it was bad and i was like oh fuck i'm not i don't want to watch this because it's gonna throw me off and so like i went in the green room and like like two minutes passed and then the owner of the club did i tell you about this 
Uh, I don't remember all of this, but I remember like some of this because he was like, that guy's not coming back, right? Yeah, dude, this fool like storms in there, like loud as shit. Uh, and it was just me and Mike, Mike Kim in there. Uh, and he was like, who the fuck is that on stage? And I'm just like on my phone, like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. You know, like, and so I'm just on my phone. <laughs> I'm like, I was just trying to like blend into the wall. I was like, please don't notice me because he was like pissed. He was like, who the fuck is that guy? And Mike was like, what? And he's like, who's on stage right now? And he like turns, he like looks at the list. And he's like, Mike Eaton, huh? That dude banned. He's never coming back here. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then Mike Kim was like, what? What's going on? Like, why? And he's like, this fool just did like four pedophile jokes in a row. And they're bombing. Like, he should have the awareness. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, fuck this dude. Like, all this shit. And I'm just like sitting there, like trying my best to be like a chameleon and not fucking be seen. And then he just like, he, he was just like, like yelling at Mike like this. And he just goes, and I was like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. And he like looks right at me and he goes, oh, what up, Galen? I've seen you before. You're funny. And I was like, hoo, hoo. I was like, God Because <laughs> I was like, because I heard him go like, oh, man, a bunch of pedophile jokes, blah, blah, blah. And like in my head, I just like looked at my set list and I was just like, and the worst part is like, I remember like, I know the jokes because like those jokes have crushed before. Like, it's not like I'm like doing terrible offensive material and it's bombing and i'm like i'm gonna stick with it like that's insanity like i i think like one of the things too is that if you have with jokes that are sensitive like that you have to have a crowd that's like willing to like stay with you and i just hadn't established enough rapport before i got into those jokes to have them believe in the payoff there was some people there that's what i'm saying like i know because i've listened to the tape a bunch because i listen to my bombs way more than i listen to my good sets right i'm like what the fuck happened? How do I avoid that? Like, I listen to my good sets a lot, but like my bombs, I listen to more because it's like, what the fuck was I thinking? And you try and figure that right. out. And I remember that one, like I can hear like a couple of tables laughing really hard. And for me, if I'm saying something that's super fucked up and there's a couple people really enjoying it, like I'm just doing it for them because the other people there, fuck their taste. Like, fuck their taste. If you're going to boo at this like, and this like, like someone else- For 10 people, fuck the 80. <laughs> exactly man i don't get fuck the 80 like i hope the 80 die in a car crash on the way home like why are you wasting my time you think i fuck kids you think i'm up there saying you should fuck kids you think me making jokes about fucking kids is going to do anything for any pedophiles anywhere like what the fuck is wrong with you that you're so sensitive about that like there was a lady at an open mic me and eli ran that said specifically you guys can't say the n-word and we were like yeah of course we would never do that she goes you said it four times we're like what the fuck are you talking about she said you kept saying nazi and we're like Nazi is uh-huh. not the N-word, okay? And, and she was like, yes, it is. And you can't say it at my mic. And then Eli gets up on the stage and he's like, well, you know what? You know who would tell you not to say Nazi? A fucking Nazi. <laughs> so we got banned and we couldn't run the mic anymore. But like, that's how I feel about it. Like if you are somebody that's super adamantly against pedophile jokes, where you're like, they're never funny. It's not good. No one should be allowed to do them. You're probably a pedophile. Like I get saying don't yeah. do them at a corporate event or I don't find those funny, but saying no one should do them, you're a pedophile. I don't think, I think it's not that uh, the owner of the club, he wasn't saying that. I think he was just saying that after like the second one or the third one didn't like please the entire crowd that he thought that maybe you wouldn't do another one. And then you did. I think that's what made him the most mad is that you like spent like three minutes on it, bro. And this fool was just like, I think that's what. Well, it's him. just one joke. I, I like He's saying with a bunch jokes, of tags like, or what? Yeah, it's the bunch attack. It's a great joke. <laughs> the, the whole joke is that like every pedophile that makes music is really good at it. And and it's true. And I have examples of pedophile musicians that are talented and people kind of clap and are offended by that. 
And like, I don't know, it, it doesn't matter. Like I wouldn't go back there to do a show. Also like Friday night at 1230 to a group of people that were there to see people that are distinctly not me. Like that's, you know, like I- Be specific, that, the crowd was literally, I think what, I think there was maybe, I think Mike said there was like 84 people there or something like that. I could be mistaken, but it looked like 84 people. And I, I think like 75 of them were Asian. Yeah, for sure. Like they were there for Mike. Like they were coming to support Mike. And like that, yeah, I, I don't think that uh, pedophile jokes go over well in an Asian room. I'll say that now. <laughs> like I've, I've got that experience. If I go back to do another Asian room and someone's like, hey, you're doing this dumpling house. I'm going to be like, no pedophile jokes. Like for sure. <laughs> that makes sense. This Can I get paid in dim sum? <laughs> I'm dead. Um, dude, uh, did I ever tell you about the time I did potluck at the La Jolla, La Jolla Comedy Store? No. Dude, so I was I was up next. I'm following. Why is it always when I'm following someone, bro? Like so this guy, this guy goes up there. This the whitest dude ever. This guy looked like mayonnaise, and he goes, and he, he the dude. It's packed. We're going up at the end. It's packed now. Everybody's coming in. It's freaking packed. This guy goes up there and he opens by saying, he's like, well, I just did like an ancestry test, and like, did you know that technically all of us are like 0.03 percent African? With that being said, boom, just drops the N word hard R. Bro, I literally, I was there with Dom. I was there with Dom. I think I was with Dom or, or Martinez. I don't remember who I was there with, but I wasn't there alone. And I remember I literally just stood because I had my phone in my hand. It's only three minute sets. I was like, oh, I got to get ready to go up there. And I just stared at the whole crowd. Nobody made a sound. Nobody gasped. Nobody made a sound. They all just stared like, he didn't just say that. Like, he, nah, like he yeah. didn't really just say that. And I remember I turned to like, I think I turned to Dom and I was like, no way. And Dom's just like, he, he you know, that look, like, he's just like, mm. I was just like, oh man. And then the guy goes, oh, come on, don't be afraid. Boom, and says it again. And I was like, no way, dude, no way. Oh, my God. And so they immediately light the guy uh, and like like 30 yeah. seconds in. And like he gets off like uh, – because like he tried a real joke after that and then it just ate shit, of course. And he's like, ah, yeah, right, my name is Arma Armando, whatever the fuck his name was. Uh, and then he, I don't remember his name. It was something white. This guy was white as shit. And then like he leaves. And then I thought maybe – you know the host would be like well that was weird or something you know but and then he was just like all right your next comic galen ash I was like, god fucking damn it dude and so like i didn't even i only had three minutes so i was like i can't spend you know time talking about it uh so i just yeah like, you can you gotta that's insane You're like hey you guys ever seen a suicide before that that was crazy <laughs> holy shit i'd rather he put a gun in his mouth that was awful to watch Dude, I just, uh, I ended up having a great set because I think they were, the crowd was just like, all right, anybody else, anybody else, you know? And I, I went up yeah. and had a great set. Uh, but I mean, with a three minute, the comedy store, it's like, all right, the A jokes only, bro. Fucking A plus shit. So you say that, and that's why I know that my pedophile jokes aren't bad because I was in the 12 spot at Potluck and I did that same pedophile joke. And I sang the part to the tune of that Mozart song that says, I like to fuck tiny kids. Their little hands make my dick look really big. And when I got <laughs> off the stage, the piano player in the OR played the tune of the song and everybody cheered. It was fucking awesome. I have the audio to prove it. So suck my dick, Westside Comedy. That's fucking hilarious. But if you would like to have me back, I would come back. Yeah. <laughs> For money. <laughs> if you pay me, I'll do it. I'm a whore. But like, if, if they survive. Yeah, maybe they won't. Yeah, Dude, was, I've been wishing mean stuff on bars that haven't let I my uh, ID got lost. And because of COVID shit, it's just a pain in the ass to replace it. 
So I went to go replace it. And so they gave me a paper ID. So that in Texas, they give you a paper one and then they mail you the real one a couple of weeks later. The problem is I did this at the beginning of December. So I've just had a paper ID. And half the time bars are like, nah, we don't accept paper IDs. And it's like, fuck you. I hope you don't survive COVID. Like why you, you, you're turning away someone that wants to give you money in the middle of a pandemic. You're like, well, I think you might be a narc. Cause they definitely don't think I'm under 21. Nothing about my face or attitude says I'm a fucking teenager. They think I'm a TABC agent that's trying to fuck their business up. They're like, bitch, I, I'm one of you. I'm a degenerate. Let me in here. I hate the police. Dude, that's one of those where that's not even a, a, a that's not even like a police thing. That's like a separate agency that like goes after like because I remember when I worked at Trader Joe's, we would get those people like once a month and like they would just pick like whatever line. I remember one time I got picked, but it's like it's low key like obvious as fuck. Like they'll buy like a bottle of wine or like a bottle of Jack Daniels and like a beef stick. You know, it's yeah. like it's like all right, you're not buying a bottle of Jack Daniels and a beef stick. Go get something. Oh, I am. <laughs> Go get some mac and cheese, bro. Get some mac and cheese. So it's like, it's obvious, like, you know, they'll buy like a pack of gum and like a bottle of vodka. And it's like, okay, dude. And they'll look, they'll, they're, they're young. And you're like, all right, dude, I know you're fucking. And then like a couple of days later, we'll get the report in. Good job to Galen for stopping. It's like, yeah, I stopped it. Bitch, show me your ID. Like you're fucking, you look like you're 10. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like none of us actually care about giving booze to someone under 21. Like that's not a big fucking deal. We care about getting in trouble with the Alcoholic Beverage Commission. Like no one, yeah. no one bartender has ever been like, I hate 20 year olds getting drunk. They're like, <laughs> I hate $5,000 fines. Like, oh, I'm sorry, does your tip from the 20 year old matter less? Like, shut the fuck up, you don't give a shit. Like, the only reason the drinking age is 21 too is because we were like, we won't give you money for roads if you don't agree. And then the government, that's how they strong armed it. It was 18 and then they made the federal drinking age 21 where the state still had the rights to keep it 18. But if they did that, they wouldn't get any federal funding for their roads what? so everybody's like well we don't want shitty roads so you gotta wait three more years to drink unless you have <laughs> any friends at all <laughs> bro the heckler from that show that dude was freaking sauced <laughs> that dude was dude, and i was so proud of you i felt like uh just such a, a like a proud older brother watching <laughs> you handle that guy because you started off being like so nice to him and like hey i genuinely care about you don't drive drunk and then he was shitty back. And you're like, hey, dude, go fuck yourself. And the yeah. Whole time was like, yeah, we're on Galen's side. He was nice. And that guy's the problem. And I was just in the back like, yeah, I should go back up and tell more pedophile jokes. Yeah. <laughs> the video, I rewatched the video that I think I posted. That shit was so funny because like you could see the yeah. exact moment that I freaking snapped on the guy too. Because I was like, because I get, I was like, you good? And he was like, the other guy was like, yeah, we're good. I was like, all right, for show. I get right back into the joke. And then this fool does it again. And I was like, are you sure? Get the fuck. Oh, and I was just like, I was like, fuck out of here, dude. And then like, he was like, you serious? I was like, yeah, get the fuck out of here, dude. That shit was crazy. That was the only time I've ever kicked anybody out. Usually I could handle it, but like, it like I'll handle it by being funny. Nothing about what that guy was like doing was like, I couldn't make it funny. Like I was racking. Cause like, you can't do it with like just drunk rabbling. Yeah. He wasn't he was saying words. Just, he was just being drunk. Uh, I can't fucking make a joke out of that. It's like, dude, get the fuck out of here. But yeah, why didn't you kick Well, generally, out? if you're at like a, a comedy club and there are people that are, are working at a comedy club and selling tickets, they generally do that part. Like usually like, I don't think they're not like, security. hey. I think it was just that guy uh, and then like the ticket taker. Yeah, but I mean like, you know, if you just have a shirt on that says the name of the building, you can go up to a drunk person and be like, sorry, sir, you need to leave. You can be 5'3 and go and say that. Like, I've been asked to leave so many places and like, 
if you've got a name of the establishment that we're at on your shirt and you asked me to leave, yeah, I probably did something wrong. I'll leave. You're right. <laughs> the guy was also like in the front row and it wasn't like super duper obvious either. Like I tried my best to make it obvious to the people that might not have known otherwise. And then once he did it again, I was like, all right, now get the fuck out of here. Cause it wasn't like, I didn't even know. Uh, like I low, like he, he, like I knew that he was like kind of heckling you, but I like didn't know like what was going on until I was up there and I was like, oh, leave. You know, it was just like, I don't think he even started heckling me until the end of my set. Like I, I don't even remember much of like, honestly, like I, I don't remember much of that show other than like, I, I remember like the audio of it. I remember it not being a good one, <laughs> and I remember like thinking like, all right, I gotta like cut some fat out of that because it took too long to make people laugh. Like there was too much like awkward silence for them. I think I also did double down now that I'm thinking about it. I think I did do two pedophile jokes. <laughs> I think I, I think I, cause I have two, I only have two. That's why it's like, I didn't do four. I only have two, but like, I, I think I did both of them, but I also like, I don't know, man. It, it's one of those things. Like if, if that happens, like, I'm glad it got like a funny situation for you. There's so many more opportunities to do shows and so many opportunities to get up and do more time for people that like, that just wasn't the one for me. Like, yeah, there are a lot of people out there that really like all sorts of different kinds of comedy. And like, I got the lesson out of that to cut fat and make my jokes better. And like, I learned to find the people and like, that's probably not my demographic. Like I, I learned a lot of lessons from that. And like, that's a, that's a good lesson to learn, but it's not anything worth like fretting over which I have to remind myself of because otherwise I'll just be like, oh, I should quit comedy. <laughs> you do that? I don't think I've ever thought that. I don't, I don't ever genuinely think that I would quit comedy. I just couldn't imagine doing that. It's, it's like my favorite thing of all time. But those nights where I like have a really bad set, like they're, the Chatterbox open mic, for whatever reason, that place used to just own my fucking soul. Really? I, like, I've had so many good sets at so many different places and like, that one just, it took me like over a year to have a good fucking set there. And like, I just could not get over it. And I, I don't know if it was, part of it is that I have like such a tremendous amount of respect for Steve Hernandez that I still kind of fanboy about just even being able to be in a place like the Chatterbox. Like part of it is that. And then part of it is it is like being around all my friends and then being around all those people. And it's just, I always felt like kind of an outsider trying to come in and do my jokes and they just weren't landing and they just weren't relatable and it just wasn't anything good. And I couldn't figure out how to do that there. And then I think it took me so long to finally feel comfortable at the Chatterbox before I could have a good set. But I remember distinctly leaving there a couple of nights and being like, man, I'm probably not supposed to be a comedian. This is insane. Maybe I'm just like a narcissist. Like everybody thinks they're supposed to be good at something. Like maybe I'm just one of those shitty people that's not good at anything, you know? Uh, the, the Chatterbox is actually where we met for the first time. Mm. I don't remember the night. Like, I don't, like, I don't remember like what the fucking night was, but I remember that we had like connected through something on like online. So like, we were already like following each other. So like, when I saw you, I was like, Oh, that's Mike. Uh, but that was funny. Cause I just remember like the sign up process was kind of weird. And then uh, you went up like three people before me and you destroyed. And so I was like, okay, cool. This dude is funny. You know? Cause like, there's always those people that like, uh, like they follow you or you follow them or like, through you, like your friend knows them or something. And you're like, okay, they're like, oh yeah, that dude's funny or whatever. And then you see him, they like, they low key kind of suck ass. But like, it was one of those where like, yeah. where like you destroyed. I was like, okay, cool. Like this guy is funny. And then I think I went up. I had a good set too. It was fucking. But there was like sixty people there. I was like, what the fuck is this? Why haven't I been here like this whole time? But yeah, that's dude, your- that place is amazing. I that's 
I miss that the most of anything in California. Just Sunday nights at the Chatterbox. That dude Tony uh, would cook afterwards. Like, there's nothing better than going in, seeing four or five of just like these world-class incredible comics, drinking fucking $3 Jack and Cokes, <laughs> and then going outside, you pay five bucks, and he's made like Szechuan noodles or like chili cheese dogs. Like everything he made was just incredible. It, and it was such a special little place because there's 70, 80 people in there. But every Sunday, there was just like a line of people in the parking lot waiting to get in. They were just like yeah. at a, a little dive bar in fucking Covina. Like that, that was so like just what they built there and the like reputation of all the comics. Like I never saw, I rarely saw like of the, I went to probably 40 shows there and I saw maybe two comics ever on a Sunday show that I didn't think were funny. Really? Dude, there, it was just week after week after week, just incredible talent. Have you, this is actually a question I want to ask because um, I was starting to tell this story and then we, it got interrupted. And I just didn't finish it on a couple episodes ago. Have you ever recommended someone for a show like to a producer and then they ate shit? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that. Uh, it, it happened once and it, it was one of those things where I totally excuse it. It was my, you know, Eli. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I host a podcast with him now. He's one of my best friends in the whole world. Like he's one of my favorite people, but I was hosting all of those shows at the secret comedy club. That's right. South and, people, right? And, yeah. And Dante, my manager was like, Hey, if you've got any friends that want to do, you know, a three minute spot to audition for these like monthly shows, uh, like they can swing by and do some time tonight. And I remember texting Eli and be like, Hey, come through. And he showed up and every now and then the crowds there were like super like PC word policey. Really? And like there, there, I mean, like I had a night there, I have a recording. It's one of my favorite things in the world. The host told me in the middle of one of my jokes to check my privilege. Like I said, uh, like a political joke. And then she said, check your privilege kid. And like that happened and like I have the recording and it makes me laugh every time. But like, so it, it could every now and then have that vibe. And you, if you know, you've seen Eli's comedy, like he's not like a PC person at all. And like says a lot of, you know, pretty zany and offensive stuff. It's funny, but it just, it all just ate dicks one night. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, ah, oh, man. But, but it's, it's just one of those weird huh. feelings where you're like, I know I'm right. Like I wouldn't have recommended somebody if I didn't have full faith and confidence in them doing it. So when that happens, it's just like, oh no. <laughs> I learned. I mean, that's how I felt about bro. getting suggested for Georgetown. Like whoever suggested me to that producer in Georgetown, I was like, oh, Mike's from LA. He's fucking hilarious. And then I go up there and just eat a bag of dicks and get booed off stage. Like someone's <laughs> got to be sitting there, like, oh man. <laughs> but it happens. What What was yours? You did that. I learned the way hard way to only recommend people that I know are freaking killers, dude. Uh, so this guy. Uh, got me in contact with Raymond who produced comedy juice back in like, yeah, March, I have the flower right here. Like March of, uh, doesn't have the year. I don't remember what year it was, uh, but it was March. And so I hosted comedy juice because this guy recommended me to Raymond. And so then mm -hmm. uh, I get the opportunity to open for Grant Cotter at the Irvine improv, uh, like a few months later. And so like, I was oh, like, yeah. he was like, yo, if you got any, if you got a buddy that could do uh, like a five minute spot, like recommend him. I was like, all right, for show. Uh, so I recommended the guy that recommended, and I, I hardly knew this guy, but uh, I was like, okay, well, like one for one, like, let me pay him back. You know, like, I feel mm -hmm. like it fucked if I didn't do that. Cause I'm also at the time I was like kind of newish. So I was like, I don't want to like, yeah, 
like diss him or anything, you know, dude. Yeah. So he does five to like open the show. Uh, and bro, there was like 300 people there. It was freaking packed. It was packed. Tell me why not a single goddamn laugh the entire five minutes. It was like the most, and dude, you could ask Dom. Dom was there. Adam Martinez was there. Like there was comics there, dude. Like, like, and dude, in front of 300 people. And you could see like, cause I was like behind the curtain. So I could see, and I could just see him just like, just sweating and like holding the mic and just like, like white knuckling it. Cause it was just like, bro, like you're just like, there's a sea of people just staring at you eat shit, dude. Like, and it was bad. Like his timing was off and he has jokes that like make me laugh. He's got some funny jokes. It's just like, you could tell that he didn't like take it seriously and like hit mics before, you know? And like it showed. And I remember like the worst part though, that the, the lesson for me was uh, Grant and I were sitting behind the curtain watching or listening uh and he goes so it's your funniest friend huh and i was like no and so i like explained to him like why like why i recommended him and he was like yeah don't do that and i was like all right fair yeah. enough uh and then he was like you're gonna are you gonna suck like this and i was like fuck no <coughs> and then i had a great set i the set from that night is what i use as my tape uh nice I, every time, every time I've done the improv since there's the, you know, there's the fucking like the three day window where you could save the video that they send you. And every single fucking time I forget to save it out of my email and I'm like, Oh shit, I should go save that. And it's gone. I'm like, fuck me in the ass, dude. So I'm like, you like two that years old. boy, dude. I see like I, someone asked me for a clip the other day so that they could show some people. Cause they're like, Oh, that's a very good set. I want to recommend you for some shows. Right. And I was super excited. I was super grateful. And then I was like, fuck, dude, I don't have any clips that I like anymore. Cause like all the clips that I have that are really good recordings with a good crowd are from fucking a year ago. Yeah. And all the clips that I have since the pandemic started are like pandemic shit. Like I, I couldn't hit fucking five mics a week, you know, like I can now out here, it's starting to get where you can do that. But like, also it, there's something very like grueling about going to the only mic in town every night. Cause it, you just hear the same sets over and over again you're 25th or 30th half the time, you know, like sometimes you get a good spot. Sometimes it goes okay. But like nine times out of 10, it's just going to be like painful and you're just work and you got to do it. You have to do it to work shit out. You can't work shit out just at shows. That's fucking rude. So like, I would take that, bro. I would take that. Cause the last time, bro, the last time I fucking got up was last year. <laughs> like dog, uh, the 18th that backyard show there are like zero mics and the the mics that there are people like trying to like make you pay i'm like the only time i've ever done a pay-to-play thing is like when i have like something like like i would do birds back room only when i had a set at the comedy store just so i could be like get one last rep in like right before i was like here's five bucks but i'm not gonna go pay five bucks in the middle of pandemic when i don't got any shows to like get ready for you know now i'm just throwing money away this sets yeah like, what like the fuck is this you know plus everybody doesn't even want to be there on top of it like it's it's butt cheeks out here dude it's like you're you're lucky yeah no no i'm i'm definitely grateful for the opportunities i do get and like you know i've gotten to do a couple of like really great shows like i have a awesome show coming up i have two awesome shows coming up at the end of this month that'll have like a bunch of people so like the week leading up to that i'll be hitting a shit ton of mics you know it's uh it's it's a uh, it's an interesting time. And it's definitely such a weird muscle. Cause like, I was definitely uh, like writing better and writing more and like in the flow of things more when I was performing more, mm-hmm. but like, I feel like one of the kind of benefits of having all this time off, if I use it right, is that I, I can 
work out. Like I, I know I've learned a little bit better of what's funny. So I can, I can write some good jokes, but like, I do miss doing like having, you know, five new minutes every week. You know, I've got 15 new minutes that I built over the last six months of last year, but like that 15 is what I've got. And I don't feel great about anything else except for old shit. And I don't want to you know, bring up old shit. So, but you're in a new place. It's a, it's a weird time. Yeah, no, I'm in a new place. So like if, if I'm doing like a, a show that I've already done like that spot before, oh, like, okay. I'll just drop some old material that's good. And like if I'm, you know, doing an open mic, I'll start with an old joke that I know works so that I can get, you know, some laughs to start it off. But, you know, just that kind of process of, you know, I, I remember like distinctly, like it used to be like, I'd have like a very funny thought and then I'd be like, oh man, I'm going to go and say that a bunch of different ways this week. Like, so I did a lot of slotted mics. I did a lot of fourth wall and comedy office and Burt's back room and flashback and all of that. Really? So yeah, man. I mean, it, it just, it was so convenient because I'd get off work at five or six and I could go and hit a seven o'clock and an eight o'clock and then go and do an actual open mic at nine somewhere and then something right. else at 11. Cause like that way you could do four in one day and you felt like, like the first two were just like clearing the dust off reps. They were just to say words into a microphone and have people judge you. Mm -hmm. And then like the next two were like, all right, let's do some comedy. Do you ever do the, uh, the, the, the bomb shelter at fourth wall? Is that the like little tent outside? No, it's the fucking closet in like the very back room and like six people could fit in there. And like, it's like 10 bucks, but you get 10 minutes. Fuck that. I've done the Bro, truck outside. I've done it in the back of that truck that they had set up as a place for the 10 minute mic. A truck? Nah, dude, this shit was yeah, like- it's uh... like a U-Haul moving truck. <laughs> I know the I know that back room that you're talking about. I can't imagine doing comedy in there. That's insane. Yeah, bro. There was like six of us. Dude, we were in like Anne Frank's house, bro. It was ridiculous. It was like it was yeah, it was super small. And I remember it got hot, and there was like six people doing ten minutes. We were in there for like an hour, and you can't really leave because the dude's standing by the only exit because it's a fucking closet. That shit was. I remember. Um, I, I did have like, it, it was very supportive because it was we were like all right there. So it was like the, nobody could be like a douchebag. You know, uh, but I remember doing that. And I was like, I'm not going to do this uh, closet again. But, but yeah, paying for mics is yeah. just weird to me. I don't like it. I get the argument about why we shouldn't do it and how it takes advantage of people that can't do it. Like, I, I, I don't care. I got that. into an argument on Facebook because they, some guy from LA opened a slotted mic here in Austin and was charging, you know, three bucks for five minutes, five bucks for 10 minutes, and then offering podcast recording at the studio. It was just doing the business side of comedy without doing any of the like social side of it or talking to anybody here or asking about it. He just started it. And there's enough people that are actively hungry for stage time that they'll do that. And he was just getting shit on and everybody was boycotting it and saying, fuck him. And I was just on Facebook like, dude, I do these things all the time in LA. They're fucking super useful. Like I don't always have time to go to a mic and wait three hours to maybe get up. Like if it's a bucket mic, like, it's a fucking nightmare if I go there. I'm like, dude, there's that feeling you get when you come in, you've got a, like a fresh idea and you're really excited to get on stage. Like, man, I can't wait to fucking try this out. And you get there and then six or seven people have gone up and then 20 people have gone up and then 30 people have gone up and you're like, fuck, man, I was excited about this two and a half hours ago. And now <laughs> I just, I'm doing it because I've already got the sunken cost and I spent all fucking night here and I've got a $20 bar tab already, you know? That's the shit that I like kind of like low key missed though. Like, I think that, so like, uh, 
thinks that when moving forward, once this stuff does go, like it's me, I'm going to hit the fucking ground running. Like I already worked hard as shit, but now it's like fucking foo, foo, foo. Cause I remember like nights where like, you know, you would go to like harp in and the list would be like 30 deep. And I would just be like, nah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't wait. Now it's like, fuck it. Like I'm a fucking, I'm a do it, you know? Cause I'd be like, fuck, I'm not waiting three hours scope at fucking butt fuck harp in. But now I'm like, I would wait all night to go up at the harp in. And it's just like, I just like, it, it's freaking insane how weird it is. And I think that's weird how long that shit's lasted. Cause I remember in the beginning of the pandemics when I had Mark Norman on, and this was right when the shit was getting canceled. So I was like, asked, like we were talking about like, like what, what we think might happen. This was before shit even like really, really got like close, close. Everything. What do you think might yeah. happen? We were all fucking wrong. Yeah. Oh, do we all, all, I mean, like, I don't know there. I mean, there were a couple of people that were like, shit's not going to be regular for like two years at the beginning. And everybody was like, nah, dude, you're insane. And now yeah. it's like, oh shit, it might be three, you know, like, yeah. I, I don't know what's going to fucking, the thing that like trips me out is that they've really crippled the backbone of what comedy is like built on for development. Like some of the clubs will be able to make it. And like the A-list comedians that have podcasts and other sources of income are going to make it but all of those people that were just in the middle of development that were grinding to be the next you know stage of great comedians like they just got their dicks kicked out from under them and on top of that everywhere we performed every bar every like mid-range club all the little restaurants that had performance spaces in the back like all of those have been fucking shut down and shut to capacity and like all the people that worked there are all fucking depressed like it's just everywhere that used to be not the a-list comedy spots have been hit the hardest by this so like yeah. as they come back like we all just have to you know struggle and find other ways to advance our careers and, but i mean like it's depressing to see people that i really genuinely loved and found funny not getting to perform and not having another avenue like there's so many comedians that i remember seeing at mics and shows and being genuinely excited to see them perform and now it's like dude i'm not going to get to see that person for a year probably yeah you know like that's it's a fucking bummer. And, and even then when I see them, they're going to be a year out of practice because they haven't had all the shit to do. You know? Man, it's crazy. Do you, you like to move to Austin? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's just all around. I can go out here. Like there are still bars open there. There was an open mic last night that had 55 people signed up. Really? Like, I, I was out to dinner banging? with, uh, do what? The scene out there is that banging? It's, it's getting that way. There's a lot of people moving here, like a lot, a lot of people moving here. And with Kill Tony being moved here, like permanently, and I didn't like even the sign up that. list for that. Yeah, so they just did the first official one this past Monday, but it's again next Monday uh, at the same spot. Like they're having trouble doing it live because they're shitty Wi-Fi or something like that. But that, I mean, it's, it's happening, like it's going down, so... That's crazy, man. Yeah, I was thinking about it, but I was like, fuck, like, I don't want to just like up and move because I know that the second I fucking come there, they're oh, California's open again. Like, ah, oh, fuck me in the ass. And then I got to wait. Dude, a bunch of people have said that exact same thing to me where they're like worried that like if California opens right back up and it's like, yeah, dude, but like, what's it really going to open back up like? Like who's, there's still like uh, 7,000 fucking comedians in LA. Like it's going to open back up with less opportunity and about the same level of competition. Like, wouldn't you rather go somewhere that's already started to open up that doesn't have the same pool? I mean, there's only in town 30 fucking headliners, probably. Like, there, you know, there, there, there's, there needs to be a development class in Austin so that there can be that next class of, like, really good 
headliner level comics here. I mean, that there's, you know, a, a bunch of talent here, but there's like, there's not enough people to fill all the spots that you need. If you have great, sh- like when this shit opens back up in his way, it used to be, and there's two or three shows a day, like there, there's, they're going to need more good comics. And it's like, you know, people travel here a lot and come and visit, but you know, it's just easier if it's a home base, in my opinion. That's, and I also have other reasons too, because I have family here. I'm from Texas. I've always loved Austin a lot. It's a great city. So, I mean, it's you know, to each their own, but this is the best move for me, for sure. You don't think that when everything opens back up fully, maybe in two years, you don't think you're going to move back to LA? Uh, it, it depends. Because like one of the things that I heard with, that I thought was a really unique point is that one of the reasons that LA is such a hub for stand-up comedy outside of just the fact that there's so many places to perform is that stand-up has been like basically married to television and movie performances and that every successful stand-up is staying there so they can try and do those other streams of income. Cause like, even if you're a fucking killer stand-up, you know, like unless you're touring and and selling out places, you're not making a shit ton of money. And, And even if you're touring and selling out places, you're not always making a shit ton of money, but you can make, 40 grand doing an episode of a TV show. So like by divorcing the scene from the like cinema aspect of it, like it forces comedians like to, to build more comedy here. Like, I think that it makes a lot of sense for me, probably for the next at least five years to be grinding in Austin and working myself up to a place where I can be a headliner. And once I'm like a, like a headliner talent person that can do an hour really well, like once I, I think I've murdered an hour, three or four times, then I can start having that conversation about going back to LA and building a base out there. But I mean, as decentralized as everything's gotten and with as easy it is to be independent and just tour and have a Patreon with a good podcast, like, you know, why go back there unless there's like a really screaming obvious reason, you know? That makes sense. As we wind down, tell me a little bit about your podcast, man. Dude, honestly, it's, uh, it's just, it's fun. It's me and Eli, we drink and then we just talk about what's going on. I mean, we both moved here right around the same time last year and he's from LA and I'm from here. So it's, you know, cool watching him get adjusted. He's having the time of his life and just, I think he's had sex with half of Austin now. Like he's having just the greatest time. I don't believe you. I don't believe that that guy fucks. Dude, I, when we were hanging out. He was getting a Louis Vuitton logo tattooed on his ball sack. And I was like, that's very funny. You should do that. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to tell girls I have a designer bag. Like it's, it's the greatest commitment to a bit of all time. So we're at this uh, tattoo shop. That's in a hostel. That's really badass downtown. And we're sitting there and there's a girl there that is finishing getting a tattoo. And there's two girls waiting uh, to get a tattoo. And the girl that's finishing a tattoo, Eli's like, Hey, can I have your number? She's <laughs> like, no, but I've got a friend that would like you. And then like gives him her friend's Instagram. And then he goes to get his balls tattooed and is making jokes and we're laughing the whole time. And then he asks the two girls that were waiting and one of them gives him her number. And it's like in the space of an hour and a half, he got two numbers for getting his balls tattooed. That's just shooting. That's just shooting shots. That's nothing. Yeah. I mean, that's what he does all day, every day. You just, so he basically just, he shot at three and then shot 20%. No, he shot at three and what it would be like if he shot a basket and it missed and then someone from the other team went and dunked it for him. Did he actually, that's what happened with the first one. Did he actually talk to the chick with the Instagram and end up fucking her? I I don't follow up. I'm not like, Hey Eli, I remember that story. Did you smash all of them? Follow up on that. Cause 
Fuck yeah. that. That shot that full shot 20%. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, it, it, the whole podcast is just me and Eli shooting the shit and talking shit. It's stupid offensive and like, I don't know. It's 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 good. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, Giggle Boys. Uh, yeah. It's, I That all happened. I was like filling out some tax forms and it was like, well, what do you do professionally? And because I'm 1099, I can say I do whatever. So I was like, what if I say my occupation is a giggle boy? <laughs> and then like all the money that I make is giggle bucks. And I'll just say all the money I make from comedy is giggle bucks. And I put that as my like Twitter handle for a while. And a few people really loved it. And so I just like, that's yeah, a good podcast name. That is a pretty good one. You can't even, you can't even like misspell it or nothing. I see people out there and they'll have like, uh, like, I don't want to like just drop this dude podcast, but like, it's like a new one, but like, it's like, dude, how the fuck, like, if someone's like, if you're like, yo, listen to my podcast, or like, after a show, someone's like, yo, you're really funny, and then you're like, oh, dude, I got this podcast, like, whatever, and you, like, tell them the name, they're like, no way in fuck they're gonna be able to type that out, it's just like, you purposely misspelled words to make it look cool, and it's like, but you can't, like, if it's, like, just a passerby thing, I'm, like, barely serious, boom, you can't fuck it up, giggle boys, boom, so serious, you can't fuck it up, but if you're like, my podcast is blah, 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 also, you have to do this, and people are like, I'm already over it. Yeah, you can't have underscores in there. You can't do no. weird spelling shit. People are dumb. Like, sorry, people, but you're dumb. And like, yep. <laughs> we got to make it as easy as possible. Yep. All right, man. As we approach the final minute of the, the final minute of the podcast, you know, I leave the final minute of the episode to the guest to say whatever, do whatever, plug whatever, ask whatever. This next minute is all you, my man. Uh, well, I mean, if you want to follow me or see any of the shit i'm doing most of my shit's on instagram the mike eaton uh follow the giggle boys podcast it's everywhere you type giggle boys into any kind of search bar and shit's gonna pop up so uh do that uh galen thank you so much for having me i uh, appreciate you uh what is what is your favorite alcoholic beverage right now jack and coke always all right cool that's one of the reasons i love you that's such a classic one i will have a jack and coke for you tonight i hope you have a good one yes sir thanks for doing it big dog Hell yeah, be good.